0: This.
1: This. This. This is
0: mythical. Apartments.com has more rental listings than anywhere else, so finding the perfect place is easier than ever, and so is finally moving in together, just the two of you. It's a big step.
1: Lots of new responsibilities, lots of adjustments. Most likely, they'll wake you up at odd hours to go to the bathroom.
0: And you'll most definitely find yourself in trouble coming home late for dinner. They may even unroll all your toilet paper next time. It's just what happens when you two find a new place together.
1: But you're not doing it because you feel like it. No, you're doing it because you love them, because they're family. And that's why apartments.com has more pet friendly rental listings on the internet. Did you know that's what we were talking about? Pets so that you and your furry family can find the perfect new place together.
0: Apartments.com, the place to find a pet-friendly place. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, the podcast where two lifelong friends talk about life for a long time. I'm Link. And I'm Red. This week at the round table of dim lighting, we are going to be pulling back another curtain. Uh, and behind that curtain is two men who have been going to therapy for a certain lengths of time. And we're just gonna do a little check-in. I like, thought
1: you were gonna say, you're gonna pull back that curtain and there's two men and it's our therapists. Uh, they're not joining us They're today. not joining
0: us. We can say anything we want about our therapists. Um, but we won't. Well, we, we will. We're gonna be talking about our experience thus far in therapy and how we're viewing that, what kind of stuff is happening And let me, just just in case you're immediately like, I don't care, I'm not from Los Angeles. You guys obviously are. Listen, therapy's not just for boys in Los Angeles. Therapy can be for anybody. Um, We, uh, and it's been beneficial to us. We don't know if any, we don't know if you think that, but (laughs) we used to think that. Yeah, 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 we're speaking to
1: our former selves. Um, And we've, therapy's come up, a lot in conversations because we're talking about, you know, processing our lives. And therapy is an, uh, a big part of that, an important part of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we you thought- You have a
0: hair that-
1: Oh, I, see, I can see it.
0: Here we go. I know you don't like when hair that? is in that place or How's out of that? place. And if people don't point it out, you get upset. So I'm just letting you know right mm-hmm. now, I don't want you to be looking back at this and be like, why'd you let me do that the whole time? I'd hate for my therapist
1: to be the one to bring it up. <laughs> But what we haven't done is devote an extended conversation to the topic in some time, if ever. So um, now's that time.
0: Uh, I will say I have a little uh, update, recent travel excursion um, to, I mean, thankfully, you know, certain places in the country have kind of, you know we're not out of the pandemic, but certain, there's certain places and if you take certain precautions, you can feel somewhat uh, safe to travel. I've kind of taken advantage of that. But also this was a wedding of a friend that took place in Kansas City that I was gonna go to regardless, but thankfully I could sort of feel safe in doing so. Uh, but the most notable thing besides a beautiful wedding beautiful couple getting married and beginning a beautiful life together, which is not what I'm gonna talk about, is the fact that we stayed at a haunted hotel. Okay. Now, you know me, I you know, I'm into horror stuff. I like the idea of haunting. I'm pretty skeptical about the paranormal. I can act like I'm really into it, but the the, the in my heart of hearts, in my heart of hearts, I'm just, eh, this is probably all made up, right? but that did not stop me from being very enthusiastic about the ghost tour. And this is coming from someone who's been on a few ghost tours- It's hard Witcher, for me to get enthusiastic. The two that I went
1: on with you, in one in New Orleans, and what was the other one?
0: London. Jack London. It was the Jack the Ripper tour.
1: That's right.
0: Um, oh boy, I
1: just, I kind of needed to just turn in for the night about halfway through. Well, let me tell you why I was
0: particularly excited about this one. Both of those ghost tours were going around a city and then like coming up to a corner and looking at a building and hearing somebody who had just been told information Mm -hmm. what to say about this thing. Are you telling me you had an actual ghost give the tour? Well, it wasn't that good, but it's somewhere between the original experience and that. Which is? A ghost tour of a hotel where you are staying First of all, we're in a different category. Mm -hmm. And secondly, uh, well, there's actually three points to this. The second Uh point is the the guy doing the tour, and this isn't something I knew ahead of time, but the guy doing the tour wasn't just talking about things that other people had said. He was telling his own stories and being an employee for 15 years at the hotel. So many of his stories were like, this happened to me. Again, never experienced that. And then the third thing was Um, the bride and groom had had experienced some metaphysical unexplained phenomena, you might say. Okay, what? The first night in the hotel. Well, when you're consummating a marriage. The night before, well, the night before the ghost tour. Things can go really wild when. The night before the ghost tour, so. Oh, and also Locke told me that something happened in his room. I'll tell you about that in a second. Apparently they they wake up and the bedside table little deal with a drawer it's a drawer. What would you call a bedside little thing that's got a drawer? And bedside a table. table. My bedside
1: nice. table's got two drawers, man. My previous one had three drawers. I
0: don't think that's technically a table. Like if in furniture speak, I don't think it's a table if it's got a drawer. Bedside chest of drawers? Definitely not that. There's probably like a French word for it. I'd like to get to the haunted part. Uh, The drawer had opened in the night. Okay. Okay. Well, that could happen. They close the drawer Mm -hmm. and the drawer opens again before their very eyes. Now, this could be like the gravity of the, you know, it could be like the floor, it's an old hotel, like the gravity can open the drawers. Uh, Yeah. But then, (laughs) the, a water bottle, like a, whatever, you know, the one that you have, one that everybody's got. Like a Nalgene? No, like hydroflask. Hydroflask, So like like a metal water bottle, was on that same table and it, at some point in this process began to do that thing where you know, like a bottle isn't quite settling and it's kind of like kind of rotating a little bit like right before, like a coin settling and then stopping. Okay, yeah. That was happening, but it was just happening indefinitely. (laughs) It was just like, okay, okay, this bottle is gonna do this. They're just watching it. And they stopped it and put it back down and it started doing it again. And then they were just like, okay, you can you can have in, you can have your drawer open i don't know exactly the sequence of events but cuz i kind of heard it as they were telling a group of people and i was it was enough for me to be freaked out i have an
1: explanation for that there's vibration in the hotel from like hey, listen. the laundry room there's always uh, a netflix or the elevator shaft i told you i'm a skeptic vibration man. takes care
0: of everything i've heard so far But of course, and every single thing I'm gonna tell you, I'm not gonna tell you everything that happens on the ghost tour, but everything, every single thing I was told, because like Locke and Shepard after the ghost tour, because Locke had heard somebody whispering in the vent at like 3 a.m. in in Locke and Shepard's room. And then he actually told the guy on the ghost tour that, the guy giving the tour. And he was like, oh, that's just because all our, the whole system is connected. So you just heard somebody whispering in another room. He wasn't like feeding into it, That's you know, good. maintaining credibility. He, he He's kind of like the Pope. He's like, I'm the only one who can tell ghost stories. <laughs> well, no, no. Cause he was, he had many people on the tour were saying things that had happened to them or, and he was validating some things, but if it wasn't, if he I actually thought it wasn't he's gotta true. Keep, he's keeping it real. but. When Locke and Shepard were, after the tour, they were like, Dad, what do you think about this? I was like, well, you wanna know what I really think? Uh, I was scared at multiple points on that ghost tour, especially the moment when we were standing at the stop, top of the stairs and some li- little girls who apparently knew that the ghost tour comes by their room and they could hear uh, the guy talking. Jay is his name, Ta- he, He's he's actually, he's wearing one of those headset microphones with a oh. speaker that's around his neck, like a tour guide does, you know what I'm okay. saying? So that he can just speak in a normal volume, but everyone can hear him. So he's just like, coming by your room, you know, oh, Jay's there, he's doing the tour. They waited until he, had, he was in the middle of the story and they started going. And he had already just told us a story about somebody being in a room and seeing the handle move. Oh. And so then he's telling us a story and that's when these little girls in the room, started like like taking their door and like shaking it. And me and Locke and Shepard were like standing a little bit down the hall and we immediately run up next to the, the tour guide. You know, before you have time to process, oh, this is probably somebody just playing a trick, but I still I was legitimately scared. Did the girls come out and say, gotcha? You know, they just laughed with, from in the room, which actually was sort of creepy. A little girl laughed through a door. But I said, having said all that, I believe That if you just, if you put me, you know, put my back against the wall and tell me I've got to give you an honest answer, I think there's probably a natural explanation for all this. There's a reason that it happens at night. There's a reason that it happens during the so called witching hour, you Mm -hmm. know, after 3 a.m. That's because you're usually, you've been asleep and you're waking up and you're not, your senses aren't complete. You're just pouring water on yourself now. (laughs) Are you okay? It was haunted, man. My
1: tea was haunted.
0: So, in other words, what I'm saying is that I think that there's prob- probably almost always a natural exp- explanation, but I'm not sure. I'm open to the fact that That's places, not fun. places can be haunted, and it's more fun to believe that the place is haunted. So, and this guy, Jay, he's, uh, oh, this is the other thing that happened. Uh, <laughs> we're A lot of, Famous people have been to this hotel. In fact, the room that the bride and groom were staying in is the room that Harry Truman slept in the night that he found out that he won the presidency. He went to sleep thinking that he had lost and they woke him up at like 2 a.m. and said, sir, you won. Huh. And then there's another room that is a, is a room where like Al Capone would come and play cards and stuff and they're like, he would sit right here and he could see this through this window and this window. He had both entrances covered in case the feds came and he could go out this way or whatever. So it's been around, you know, a hundred years. It's got this storied history. Where is it? It is outside of Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. So he's telling a story about some famous person that was on the tour, and then I can't remember who it was. So then we get to the next spot, and I kind of, me and Locke and Shepard were sort of ahead of everybody, and we kind of walk up, and we're right next to him, kind of waiting for the group to gather. He said, and he was like, "You look like a famous guy." <laughs> uh, you famous? <laughs> and I was, May I include you and, in subsequent tour mentions? And I was like, uh, you know, I never know how to answer that question. So I was like, hey, t- t- to some people. Yeah. And he was like, naked and afraid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, did he, was he changing the subject or was he thinking you were on that show?
0: He thought he was like, I was a guy. Cause I was like, no, uh, I've been naked and afraid on YouTube. <laughs> Haven't been on that show, but naked. Just because he you, said there. No, he no. He said, "Oh, there's a guy that there's a guy on season so and so naked and afraid that looked a lot like you." But then, but then the next day, when I see Jay in the now, of course we're all masked as we're walking around this thing. So, mm-hmm. he, and of course, if you don't watch our content regularly and you, and you see me now, you may not immediately recognize me because my sure. hair is so different. So the next day, he's like, "Hey, man." Good mythical morning. Of course, I didn't put it together. Like my daughter w- watches a lot, and I watch it with her. So love what you guys do, but but still, got naked and afraid. Still, I thought you were from Naked and you Afraid. Really at first. look into that. Uh, you got demoted overnight, man. So shout out to Jay at the it's the Elms Hotel, historic hotel. Mm. They have a European lap pool. In the basement, do you know what a European it's like lap an indoor? Pools? It's just like a ditch that it's a, it's a track that goes in a circle that you swim. oh a track it's like it's uh, it's a canal it's a ring that's of, wide it's a en- moat that's wide enough for a person to swim in and it goes in a circle it's the, it's it's kind of awesome and when you get to the end of one side there's it's a circle there's a no little end well it's an oval it's a very long oval like this oh, wow. at one end of the oval. Uh, well, at one end of the oval, there's a ghost, <laughs> of course. Right. Uh, but Negative um, afraid. at the other end, there's a hot tub and a cold plunge pool right next to each other. So we had fun kind of going back and forth between those. But I've never seen a a racetrack made of water. There was a part of me that was just like, how necessary is this? Because it didn't couldn't just be. Oh, I swam in it. It's like, oh, yeah.
1: What was it like turning the bank in the corners? NASCAR, uh,
0: yeah. I mean, I felt like I was about to come right out of that thing.
1: <laughs> well, as long as you are going around those corners, there was your a, like feet and hands hitting.
0: It's big. Wow. It's in the very bottom of a cool
1: hotel. Are you, they probably just were going to make a pool, and then they were like, you know what? Let's just fill in the middle, except for a little bit, and let's call it a European swim track.
0: No one will know. I think, the think it's the only European lap pool in America. What? That's what they said. I think. Okay. I mean, yeah. they said in Missouri. Hey, listen. Once you start blurring the lines of truth with ghost tours,
1: you can say anything you want. You can't believe these people, they're not credible anymore, and Man, neither are you.
0: I'll tell you right now, if you have an opportunity to go into a European lap, lap pool, and if you're in America, that may only be available to you in uh, the Elms Hotel Apparently. in Missouri. I, I, Excelsior Springs, I think is the name of it. Okay, You should go do it and swim some laps. All right, let's dive into some therapy.
1: Ooh, is this gonna hurt? but first we wanna remind you about our Black Friday sale. It goes live Thursday, not Friday, November 23rd through Sunday, November 29th, all right? And you know what you get? Everything at mythical.com
0: is 40% off. Also, all Mythical Society monthly memberships on mythicalsociety.com are gonna be 25% off. There's a lot, this is deep. Yeah. These are deep 40% discounts.
1: off every single thing at mythical.com, 25% off monthly members at mythicalsociety.com.
0: Wow. Should we do it? Uh, I'm having second thoughts at this point. Too Thursday late. through Sunday. Earbiscus is supported by Live Nation. Live
1: Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows.
0: That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, yeah. Alanis Morissette, okay. Cage the Elephant. Why not? Janet Jackson, Megan Trainor, Peso Pluma? Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab
1: your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit concert concertweek to buy now. That's concert concertweek to buy now. But where where, where do we want to start with it? Well, let's just let's just let's give some background about how long we've been going to therapy. Maybe what maybe what got us into it. These are things that have come up before, but just for the cohesiveness of this of where we're headed. Um, And since you've been going to therapy longer, you go first. I
0: think that it was 2017. 2017 was the end uh, or the beginning of, didn't last long, the longer version of Good Mythical Morning, if you do recall that, where we did a bunch of videos every single day. And my wife had been going to therapy for a couple of years at that point and had been asking me or telling me that I should be going based on things that she was learning about herself that were then immediately sort of transferring to me because I think she, like me, thought that I didn't need therapy. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. She think knew- she thought that, okay. I think that she thought that the one with the things that needed to be addressed from a professional standpoint, it was probably her, right, because she struggled with, OCD since uh, since she was a young child. So there was like Mm. diagnosable things, OCD and depression that she knew she had and had been professionally diagnosed by like a psychiatrist years and years ago. And I had never had that. And I had always sort of presented myself as, well, you know, I, I mean, I'm super stable and reliable and I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I don't think I need professional help when it comes to like my mental and emotional health. But as she began to explore her own and realize that, oh, it's not just about addressing this diagnosis, but there's a whole lot more to therapy in the same way that you might have a physical problem, like, oh, I hurt my knee in this very specific way. I need to go to the doctor. Well, even if you haven't hurt your knee, you're a person with a body and there are ongoing needs of having a regular physical checkup. You see the analogy here, so. I do. started to talk to me, she also started to be able to see the way that I was sort of dealing with the immense amount of stress that had built up in my life over the many, many years of our, this mythical thing growing to where it had and our schedule being crazy and the amount of weight and pressure on us to perform and to keep growing the business and Mm -hmm. to be relevant and all the things that come with being a, a public personality. And she she started saying you really should go to therapy, and I think you should just go to my guy because he's great and he's open to doing open to doing that. You know, having both of us. So anyway, after and when at the end of 2017, in the midst of all that stress, I had some physical problems that developed that d- definitely seemed to be stress related. I've talked about that before. That was when but, I started. But just I mean to give him the blurb though. Well, you went. I had multiple multiple things blindness. You know, I've had multiple things that are known to be stress induced, like skin issues, like psoriasis and eczema, back issues. Can often so I'd always had those, but the straw that broke the camel's back was when I developed central serous retinopathy, which is literally when there's like a fluid sac that gets behind your eye and creates a blind spot on your eye in your field of vision and it was first observed or maybe not observed but first sort of recognized and labeled uh, when these World War One or two pilots were coming back from war and a bunch of them had this condition because they had been under so much stress. Mm-hmm. So there's reason to believe that it's stress induced and it is not permanent. If it happens once, it's not unlikely to happen again. But anyway, I go to the doctor, the eye doctor. They tell me that's what this is. It's going to take you know months for this thing to resolve itself, which it did uh, for a while. I think I can't remember which eye it was, but I basically couldn't see in the middle of my field of vision with one of my eyes. You know, if it was like it was really, like black, it, or wavy? well, it was blurry and wavy and made you feel like you had vertigo. And he made a connection to s- stress or some inner inner I mental the, workings. I made the connection to stress when I started reading about that condition. Uh- and i was like man okay i yeah i i guess cuz i always would say i don't feel stressed because well i'll talk about what my process is and what i've been working on but it was because i wasn't dealing with it in an emotional way i was dealing with it in a physical way i do believe and i don't understand and i don't have the science to back it up but i do believe that there's a natural connection to when you don't process things emotionally that it kind of it finds a way to get out of you and mm-hmm. it can it can manifest itself physically. So that's what led to me having my first appointment in sometime in like late 2017. So it's crazy to think that coming up on four years of therapy. I'm coming up on two years of therapy
1: in like the January, February timeframe. So that means I started like just a couple of months, had a couple of in-person sessions before the pandemic hit and we went to Zoom meetings. And um, for for me, it's been pretty much every week, except when like s- scheduling challenges or 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 trips or whatever. But yeah, the reason why I got into it, the best that I can remember is, yeah, Christy had um, had had a few therapists for many years and had 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 been very open and experienced the benefits. Of that, um, of going to therapy back back home in North Carolina, and then out here when we moved out here, and like uh, all of the all the stresses and everything associated with that, um, therapy re-entered her life. And you know, we always had a really positive view of it because she had a a very positive and helpful experience with it. And of course, we're talking to Jessie, she's having positive experiences. And then you get on board and you start having positive experiences. And I was always very open to it, but I think in a similar way that you're describing, it was, well, I'll say that I started going because Christy kept encouraging me and, I was benefiting from hearing uh, from how everybody else was benefiting from therapy. So I felt like I was getting therapy by proxy. And I, I was, you know, I've made jokes about that, but in a way to acknowledge that like, I'm I'm warming up to this. I wasn't opposed to it, but I didn't feel like I had an urgent need to to go to therapy, like to run there to fix a specific problem.
0: I didn't think that I had any problems that, that needed therapy. Meanwhile, I was wrong. Meanwhile, I mean, we never, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but meanwhile, like me and Jesse and Christy would talk about, well, when is Link gonna go to therapy? <laughs>
1: yeah, and, it, and sometimes I would but, be there. But like, it's like- it, so it wasn't it, weird. It, it, it's it wasn't like, ca- when you, do we intervene? I do You can't think.
0: really talk to someone, you know, you have to let somebody come to that decision on their own. I would say that for anybody who like thinks that somebody in your life needs to go or you've you you've experienced something and you're like, "Oh, man, I wish that they could experience this." Right. You can't force them into it. And Well, your spouse can kind of do that. It, yeah. Uh depending on the nature of your relationship.
1: It it became more of like I'm going to do this. I have plans to do this. But they're not it's not pressing and it's not imminent. So I'm gonna just keep back burnering it for probably a couple of years. In the meantime, I I would read books. A lot of the books that Christy was reading of the like introspective self-help, self-discovery variety like stuff that she would be recommended by her therapist or that she would take to therapy. So it was like an extension of that. I would read those books and I would start to feel uh, the The benefits of that, and so I think the thing that got me over the hump was i as a result of my spiritual deconstruction and my ongoing spiritual journey and really coming to grips with my priority of in doing the work as they say, to like really invest in myself and understanding myself, discovering more and just, um, I knew there were things in my past that affect me now, and I was fascinated by that, and I knew I could benefit from it. So, when I started going, it was like, I know I'm I experienced a lot of anxiety, um, and I do want help with that. Um, you know, there was like an opening meeting. The way that I found my therapist was on, um, uh, like psychology.com, they have you can search for somebody locally and you can read reviews and um and there was an initial interview process which if you want to you can tell how you met your therapist but with mine it was like I I I didn't have a personal recommendation I just had an interview meeting phone call and I remember in that meeting I I I kind of just laid it all out I was like you know I want to send the message that like I'm I'm an open book and I'm all in for however I can benefit from this. And I know that I, I deal with anxiety and I know that I have things in my past. Um, when it came to the anxiety. But it but it felt more like an, imp- an improvement thing, not a fixing thing or not a help, please help me thing
0: was I think my mindset yeah. going in, honestly. Because yeah, when it comes to the anxiety element of it, um, like would you have considered yourself what level of anxiety would you, if somebody was like, on a scale of one to 10, how much anxiety do you have? How would you describe that? I would say that that I'm able to manage it at like a six, is what I would say. In six? At the time. And well. Maybe
1: a five, maybe I would have said five or six.
0: But I guess what I'm saying is ultimately like, if your baseline level of anxiety is self-assessed at a six out of 10, I'm no expert, but that's sort of like, okay, I'm actually- Well, because I dealt with that so long, I was kind of, it just just, kind of feels like
1: a normal, but I remember um, going to the cardiologist back when Christy and I were first married and I worked as an engineer at IBM and every day I'd come home and lay down on the couch and just to chill out. And then my heart would just be like, Skipping beats and like jumping out of my chest. Sometimes I would wake up in the middle of the night with like those heart palpitations or whatever. I don't know if that's the official title, but like um, and I talked. I remember I talked. I told my therapist very early on about that, and I was like, that was, you know, twenty years ago. Yeah. And and I but I knew that it was stress. At least I really hoped that it was stressed because when I sent in the EKG readings, the the tech said, "Yeah, this this just looks like you're stressed out," and this. So I never followed up you're with the like,
0: doctor. Oh, and you're like, "Oh, of course, I can I can handle that."
1: But I kind of knew, and then I would I developed various coping mechanisms over the years, and just kind of felt like I was putting the anxiety in its place. But there's also I I think there's then, also a thing. So where- then only in certain times would the my heart rate heart start to flutter
0: like that when I was in a really stressful zone. I I mean, I I think, and I'm not trying to generalize here, but I do think I am going to generalize. So I'm just, I guess I'm just giving a general generalization disclaimer um, that in my experience, there are a lot of men who based on like certain cultural pressures and expectations, especially if they are in a relationship with a woman who is already kind of addressing her mental and emotional health, I think there's a resistance. There's a resistance to to be like, I got, I feel, oh, I, I mean, I, I gotta be the one that's got it together, man. Like, and so even if you would ass- ass- that. assess yourself at a six out of 10 of a, like a baseline anxiety. I got it under control. You're like, I got it under control. Like, I'm not about to explode. And I, I, I'm a safe person. And, but, and so then you kind of say, but you know, she's really the one that needs help and she's getting the help that she needs. I Which know, is very, and, I, and, I, and I would have never said that. I'm just saying that there was a subconscious thought that just, I thought that that's just the way that it was supposed to I, work.
1: I agree with that experience. I I relate to that. And I think that it, it wasn't fair to our wives to like put them in that box is like, okay, you're the ones that need therapy because you have it what I think was going on was that they were actually much more in touch with um, what was going on inside of them and much more willing to uh, to seek help for it. When we were just out of touch with it and I just kind of put it in this box, the physical evidence that there's something going on deep with inside of me yeah. that I need to wrestle with and deal with. Um, but, c- and that's why it looked different. And I could say, well, that's what, you know, I would describe, well, Christy's situation, or she's the one who needs help because that's what it looks like. But really what she was demonstrating is an openness and, a being, and an in touchness with herself. And I didn't realize that for me, it was a closed off, not willing to go there thing. And I, w- I just chalked it up to, to differences. Ear Biscuits is supported by AC Pro. It's blazing hot outside. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows out hot air. The issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system.
0: that you actually make the whatever it is that your partner or your friend is dealing with more intense by not addressing your own problems, right? So if you're somebody who's walking around, I mean, obviously I got my own. You uh, mean comparing, like? Well, no, no. I'm so and just and saying. worse than me. If you're if you're if you're going around a six out of ten anxiety based level anxiety, you're not the best person to be to rely on. For someone who's going through those through those issues, you can even exacerbate the anxiety that she's dealing with. I know, I, okay. I know that I did that for Jesse. As someone who mm. wasn't processing my emotions in a healthy way, I was not the best resource. And again, I don't want to get into like codependent situation. What I'm saying is that if you actually want to be the healthiest partner to your partner who is having their own issues dealing with your own shit <laughs> is one way to address that. Yeah. But when you're like, I don't have anything, I don't have anything to deal with, then you can actually create more of a burden for your partner who's already dealing with their own stuff. Um. So I I went in with this like
1: optimization, self self-improvement, become my best self kind of thing. And I was willing to go to dark places in order to get there, but I was also like, how dark can it be? Yeah, really, you know. And so, I did bring everything I had to it, uh, but it, you know, there's a little bit of a dance because you're it. You have to ease into it because it's a it's a it's a relationship. You're this is a complete stranger with qualifications and reviews, and it's so this dude's checked out, and I feel like we're starting off on a good foundation. But you got to build on that, and you got to talk about yourself and like. You don't expect immediate. I, I, you know, I'm I'm learning that. Like, okay, I don't want to expect like immediate results. I got to give this some time and let this blossom. Then the pandemic hit, and a lot of, I mean, as that it, therapy for me evolved into crisis management, like the crisis of the pandemic and all the pressures that we then, uh, that you mentioned earlier, filtered through that and leading a company and, you know, um, being a resource for my, loving my family. Became a week to week crisis. You know, I've I've talked about Christie's health challenges. um, And I'm so grateful that I had gotten in under the wire and we had met in person a few times that then, and I got in a slot with this guy, so that I could then, you know, when the shit really started hitting the fan, and boy, was it hitting the fan. For the majority of that year, every week was just help me hold this together. I think is what I what I brought to our meetings. Th- now this has happened. What do how do I deal with this? How do I how do I how do I, how do I respond? So it was kind of it was a survival type thing, and I've described the low points and all those challenges so i you know i don't want to go into that but the but that really impacted the tenor uh of of what therapy became for me for that entire time and then there was um you know and then when things are better or or like when the light shines when the clouds clear for a little bit and the light shines through i remember there being a few um uh sessions where it was actually about kind of living in that moment of I I I'd, I'd walked through all of these difficult things and anticipated more, but w- with this with this person, that then it was kind of a it was a it was a sweet session when we could just kind of celebrate it. And so I discovered that like that was a different facet of therapy that like the the relationship paid off in it could it could be a positive celebration of moments of uh growth or a gist of survival mm-hmm. um but I'm painting a picture of us not really getting back to that like deeper inner work that was like the thing that I thought I was signing up for um because getting through the day and the next night and the next week was kind of all I, that I had the capacity to focus on um so i would say that that described a phase of therapy for me and i you know i'm i'm interested if you see it that way or how you see it but then i'll say there's a next phase that i'm kind of in now which is really great news that like there's been enough space between crises that I can start to say, what are some deeper things that I wanna work on or, or places I wanna go? Um, but it wasn't without a very specific challenge that related to therapy itself that I'll get into. But I I wanted to hand it back over to you in terms of like how you see the trajectory of building that relationship and has it gone through phases?
0: So my therapist was Jesse's therapist first. Okay. And also, my boys had been to, to to see him initially. You know, the, actually the the thing that was the impetus was uh, kind of recognizing that Shepard had ADHD and that was in somebody recommended our, our who is now our, basically our therapist that everyone can see. I mean, Jesse and I are the ones that see him regularly, but so he had a lot of insight into our family. And I think, and again, Not every therapist will do that and it was a long process and there's people have different opinions about whether or not a therapist should serve a couple or a family in that way. Um, For us, it's a really good circumstance. I don't think I would recommend it for everybody. But one of the things that did is there was a level of trust and connection. And I think actually the first time I met my therapist was in a couple session with Jesse there. Mm And that was the introduction to like, oh, this is, this is the guy that she's been talking about for years. And now I, I know who he is. And um, so that first session was like talking to somebody that I already knew. I, I think when that's the way that it starts, and of course, if, you, if your wife has been going to a therapist and your wife has been talking about you in therapy. <laughs> yeah. You come as a, there's a narrative attached to you. Right, Which could be a negative thing, but I think that Jesse was very fair in the way that she kind of described the things that I dealt with, but then I immediately confirmed all those things while meeting. And again, my main issue, the' sort of the the main sort of ongoing thing that is my struggle is the fact that I tend to intellectualize and rationalize my emotions versus just experiencing them, right? So something comes in experientially and there's a natural emotional response to that thing, whether it be sadness or anger, whatever. And if it's an inconvenient emotion, I think I've always seen myself as a very, you know, self-reliant, super dependable. Like you can put me through basically any circumstance and I'm gonna be the one person that's still standing, right? It's it's a a pride thing. I don't know know what it is, but I've kind of, you know, like give me something else to do. I will not break. Mm -hmm. Give me a new challenge. I will succeed at it. And so negative emotions feel like wastes of time for me. Right, being sad about something. Well, that's like, who's got, ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. You know what I mean? And so what you end up doing is if there's something that's genuine, genuinely difficult for me to deal with that should result in a an outpouring of grief or sadness, frustration, whatever, I will immediately, and I'm very skilled at this, <laughs> reframe that circumstance to remind myself that it's actually not that bad, like this is not that bad L- lots of people have it worse than you, like you can actually easily get to over here and see the bright side of this and see the optimistic side and see the future of where this thing could go, and I immediately just move to the side and I get on that track and you know there's a lot of benefit in that when it comes to like being successful in 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 a capitalist society right mm-hmm. um and so I have experienced a, a tremendous amount of success in one sense because of my tendency to not let myself feel things and just to kind of, but what was happening over time is that if you continue to do that, those emotions are going somewhere to be processed. Usually if it's a sadness that you're dealing with, then it will be an outburst of anger. It will be a short temper, which I definitely have at times. Um, and it will be like, you. oh, you, you went you went from zero to a hundred. Like what, where did that come from? The kids came in and did something and you snapped at them immediately. Like what was, a lot of that comes from not processing and letting myself feel things. So that's my main issue. There's a lot of other issues, but I'm saying that that's the main sort of emotional, um, sort of misfire that happens repeatedly with me.
1: And so my- And that's something that you discovered you, you became acquainted with it. Because what
0: I would have told you and what I would have told Jesse is I would have just told you the positive side of that thing. I would be like, I'm kind of a stoic guy. Like, you know, I can get very enthusiastic about things and it's not like I don't cry. Like I said, I'll cry at Hallmark commercials. But, and then when my therapist explained to me, it was like, well, the reason you do that is because you're very willing to feel emotions for other people. Like I if, if I go to a wedding, I don't care if I know the people, I'm gonna cry. If I go to a funeral, I'll most likely cry. But if I'm experiencing something, very rarely will I cry. If it's something that's an emotion that, I, like I'm the target of it and I'm the one who's supposed to feel sadness, I'll deflect it I'll save it. You put it over here in a little jar, it's building up. It's gotta be, that jar has gotta be empty somehow. It's either gonna come out as anger, or it's gonna come out as emotion for someone else. I just always was like, I never had never sorted through any of this stuff. I was just like, you know, I'm like my dad. I'm just like, I'm super dependable. I'm not the emotional person in the room. Like, I'm not going to take any of your energy. Like, if you're in a relationship with me, if you're working with me, we're never going to have to stop to accommodate me. Like, I'm not that guy. And so I just was like, and that's what makes me great. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But what my therapist was beginning to well, and Jesse was saying things about it, like, well, you just, you're not just letting yourself feel this. You're not opening yourself up to this. It was just a couple of meetings. As I explained, you know, he was like, you know, tell me about yourself. I mean, the first few meetings were talking about my upbringing, talking about the way I see things and, you know, I'm presenting myself in a certain way, and I wasn't trying to present a good picture of myself. I was like, I know I need something because, I mean, I got all this physical stuff happening. I don't really understand what it is because I don't have the language to to talk about this. Mm-hmm. But and my therapist is a is a is a very good friend now as well, right? So he can say, he just tells me like it is, and sometimes. But hold on, let's
1: not skip ahead though. So. But early on you were telling about yourself and then you were were unpacking these things and
0: he was helping you come to these realizations that you've just shared. Yeah, but like what I'm getting at is there was an immediate relational connection. So I'm not just saying he's a friend now. There's an immediate sort of relational connection, which is not necessarily normal or expected. I will just say that it just worked out that way. Uh, And I don't even think it's necessary. To be clear, but it in my situation it was great. But like I specifically remember a time where I would like explain something and he just laughed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. because he was observing how adept I was at moving myself out away from. Like you get on the uncomfortable peak of an emotion and you immediately dodge it, and he could just observe that happening and he would be like, no, 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 stop, let's let's stay there with this thing. Where do you feel it? Like, where physically? And like, the first time he asked me where I felt something physically, I laughed at him. Because I was just like, man, what does that even mean? Where do I feel it? Mm -hmm. Like, I can't even tell you what I feel, much less where I feel it. Yeah. But you know, I've since, we'll get into later, like what I've actually learned and how I've applied that. But that was kind of my initial experience was like, immediately kind of, Understanding what the challenge was and having it explained to me in a, um, and this is my tendency is I'm going to like uh, try to like academically define what it was. And so, right from the beginning, I was like, oh, this is what's wrong with me. So, this is the thing that I need to start fixing. That happened really quickly. Mm-hmm. The then, fixing, then what? The fixing is a different, <laughs> different process. Um, well, so I do a session. I've consistently done every other week, not weekly, for an hour and a half instead of an hour. Uh, I well, y- yeah, yeah, at least like a, yeah, like a double a double session. So I guess it ends up being the same amount of time as I, if I, if I was doing it every single week. Um, but and I and and it's actually gotten a little bit shorter recently. In the past year or so, it's pretty much just a single session every other every other week. Earbiscus is supported by the Farmer's Dog. Dogs will eat basically anything you put in front of them, and if you're Barbara, you will like <laughs> seek it out off of tables, counters. That that woman is crazy. <laughs> uh, that woman being my dog. Uh, so it's important to be putting the right kind of food in their bowls.
1: Right, and when you care about your dogs as much as we care about ours, you know, a thoughtful approach to what goes in those bowls. Makes sense.
0: Yes, the farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value.
1: You know when I describe like the crisis thing, like I mean, are there times when you're like, "This happened," or there's a crisis? Yeah. Well, every se-
0: every session, and it's
1: external. It's an external crisis.
0: Well, yeah. It usually, I mean, obviously, st- there's an internal component. It but- usually starts with that. Yeah. I. Yeah. I. I t- and I still do this. It's still my tendency. But I, I will start off a session kind of telling him. Everything that's kind of going on in you know no particular order i don't take I don't have an agenda I don't really think about it until I see him on the on the call mm-hmm. and then I'm just like, I just start going and I just start talking and the things that are the heaviest and that feel like the biggest sort of burden are the things that become very obvious very quickly as I talk and then he'll kind of rewind let's go go back to this you know and then we'll kind of talk about that and again it's it's a it's a subtle process of just getting me to actually understand what it is that I'm feeling it, it, it's pretty simple with me because the issue is so severe <laughs> you know what I'm saying I'm sure there's other things to continue to 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 deal with but because the tendency is to just reframe redefine and cope versus feel it's really just like all right let's talk about that let's see what you're feeling and so one of the sort one of the things that i know we're going to talk a little bit about uh how you gauge your own progress mm-hmm. so i don't want to say that now but i because it, the issue is kind of singular for me and yes it will be like we're having this particular issue and again because he knows our family so well he might be like well i already know <laughs> the issue that so-and-so is dealing with. Now he doesn't tell me anything. You know, there's privacy. It's a little complicated, but like he, if I had to say, well, Jesse's going through this thing right now or Locke's going through this thing right now, he already has insight into that because he's already talked to them about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which again, for me has been a great benefit because you got somebody who understands the dynamics on both sides of the situation.
1: So there are times when you're walking through like processing a crisis, but it, the general mode for you is a like a continual, a, an exercise of bringing in your, bringing your emotions to the table and processing things on a level, on, on that level, like n- instead of j- just the way that you would left to your own devices
0: pr- pre-therapy. Yeah, it's just kind of sorting through all that stuff. Okay, Because it's interesting because there's a difference between vulnerability and emotional vulnerability. I'm actually a really vulnerable person in terms of like, I'm not a secretive protective person. If I meet you on the subway, which I don't go on the subway because I'm (laughs) in Los Angeles, we call it the Metro and I don't usually take that. But you know, I could have a conversation with somebody and immediately get into like some deep stuff and be very personally disclosing about myself, my issues, etc.
1: Yeah, you're sh- you're you can share things yeah, and factually. I,
0: and I'm a very I'm a very introspective person, meaning that I'm willing to look at myself and analyze my actions etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But those are not substitutes for emotional vulnerability. Now again, Yes, I've cried on this podcast. Whatever, <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I'm, ta- what I'm talking about is just like getting to a place where I give myself permission to feel something. Like it's okay. You can you can stop and feel this. Like no no task is going to be left as- left aside, or it's okay for this person to see you in this state. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know yeah yeah, yeah. those I, I issues get can get conflated pretty easily
1: Well as an aside, I think we're both very vulnerable here, but there are things that we've decided that we're comfortable sharing but there's moments when we might be experiencing something on an emotional level like if we if we tear up or cry about something here, that happens much more rarely. It's a different type of vulnerability. So even if you look at it yeah, here, yeah, yeah. see, I'm the, the reason why I'm asking like the, the the questions of like how you go about therapy and how you view it is because I feel like even though it's been almost two years for me, I'm still just getting started because there was so much acute crisis to deal with, and there was definitely. And I mean I'm not to say, not saying that there weren't times when like we we've made connections between my my past and how that impacts me now or what's going on inside of me and, and definitely I've been processing the emotional aspects of the the crisis that I'm going through and finding it as a resource. I I, I do tend to overanalyze everything. And so at certain points I would describe therapy as, you know what, I feel like if I were just talking to a wall and I was disciplined enough to like verbally process to that wall every week for an hour, and then kind of that I would come to a lot of the same conclusions, like
0: that's, probably not true. That says a lot about your therapist. Like, can I, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm like, just kidding. It says know, a lot I, about I, me, right? I, I I understand exactly I mean, what you're I'm saying.
1: just being honest that sometimes it feels that way because it's like, well, how much did he say? I can talk a lot. I can get, you know, I can get going and I am such a verbal processor that like hearing myself is a huge part of the process for me. And on the skeptical side, I'm like, yeah, he only, he only asked me three questions. But
0: how much am I paying on him? The,
1: and how much am I paying him? But on the other side, it's those are some pivotal questions, you know. And those moments when I stopped and thought and answered the question probably redirected the whole conversation in a way that the wall wouldn't. <laughs> but I'm just being honest and saying, you it know, a it's a Tesla like, wall. I don't know. I, don't I always know this work. feel that way. But I've, I've, I know. I've noticed in the points when there's not something that like I feel like I am need to run to someone for help that I'm drowning in some way or that I want to help somebody else that I love or something, you know, if there's not an emergency and the the session's coming up, I just really started noticing the amount of trepidation that I would bring to it. And this started happening, I think pretty early. Like I actually, I went through a period of time in the first year where i would jot down on my on my phone like a sentence or two from the therapy session and i went back and looked and i realized like a year ago this was happening <laughs> like we had gone through a lot of the of, of 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 things and like it was one of those like the clouds had cleared moment and i jotted down that i was just i approached the sessions with so much trepidation because I did not know what I wanted to talk about. Hmm. And then I noticed over the past few, and and by the way, when that happened, I remember I, I canceled an appointment. And then it was, and then the next week, I like, I wanted to cancel again. And I, I ended up talking about it a little bit instead of canceling the, I like I felt like I confessed it. I was like, listen, I canceled on you last week because I was just too afraid to show up, and not and the unknown just was too much for me. I didn't know what I wanted to talk about, and then a lot of shit hit the fan again, or I guess because over the last few weeks, maybe months, it's come up again, and I, I guess it's a good sign that like I have the room, I have the headspace to say I'm not drowning here. I'm not afraid. I'm not desperate for help about a specific thing but it my mind immediately goes to now what I don't that's how I know therapy so going back to that first place of like I'm gonna just going to start working on some like longer term or deeper issues shadow work type stuff you know the the real sexy hard stuff <laughs> instead my mind I would just get frozen with I i I, I don't know what to, I don't, I'm I don't know what to say. I, and I would get so stressed out, like five, six days in advance. Hmm. And and I would notice the moment that I would come up with something, I'd feel relief. And I would, I'd realize that like, you know, this is what I felt in college every time I had an assignment, until I could finish the assignment or develop a plan that I knew I could finish it, it would drive me nuts. And, I started to think this might be a good thing to talk about in therapy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, you know, but, but so my question is because again, like what what I'm hearing as your friend as you say these things is just like yes, the reason that you should be in therapy is the re is the it being evidenced in the way that you approach therapy. Yeah, and so when you take this to your therapist, what do you feel do you, Do you feel like you there are some and again I understand it. it's not about necessarily you're not necessarily paying them for their insights so to speak it is like paying for time to process which everybody needs but you are the, you know they are trained professionals so do you feel like when you take that a year ago when he when I took it to him
1: uh you know he was like you know what I I I want you to feel like you can come with absolutely blank slate with not knowing anything. Some of the best sessions I have with people are when they have no clue what we're going to talk about and we they still show up. And he encouraged me to think about it as I'm prioritizing my, myself and something that I need. This is me time that's protected. Um, And he didn't He didn't say, you know, you're not performing for me or, you know, it, we didn't really, it, he just reassured me at the time. It's like, you know what? You don't have to come up with anything. I got this. Uh, I can handle this. And I could not bring myself to believe him in action. Mm-hmm. You know, it was difficult. And then more shit hit the fan and I had stuff that I f- felt like was urgent and it was. So and then it kind of again it moved to the back burner. But I realized that was a year ago. That was October that I that I put that in my um, my my journal, my phone journal. So a few weeks ago, a few sessions ago, I brought it up again, and I was like, "This is still happening. I'm 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 having such a difficult time. I don't know what my hang up is." And we started to explore like, "Well, I want to make sure it's it's worth my time and my money." I wanna. Am I afraid that I'm not demonstrating that I'm not making the most of this? That I'm not bringing enough to this, and and my therapist knows it. You know, and I'm I'm telling him this stuff at that time, and I'm realizing that there's that there's definitely barriers there for me um, to accepting it as a place that is that's a non judgmental zone, because it. There's a lot of things going on, but one of them things that I realized was that I just assume that he is analyzing me in the same way that I'm analyzing the session and myself. And control is a, uh, obviously a big thing for me that I'm that I'm working on, and I see it at play here. That's like when I don't feel like I can, I have plans, meaning that I have control over where the therapy starts. So then I know when when I've gotten to it, when I've gotten to the answer, when I've when I've made the most of the session, when I've gotten my money and time's worth, when I've gotten when I've demonstrated that I'm willing to make progress because I actually have made progress. Because I brought a starting point and then there was some sort of conclusion. I definitely found myself towards the end of a session, I, I I would look at the clock throughout the session and realize Okay, I'm halfway through. There's something else I wanted to talk about. So I'm going to get to that now. I would very much control everything in order to try to feel okay about it. And then at the end, if it went well, I would always, I, I realized that I would thank my therapist. I don't know if this seems weird because I wanted, to, I wanted to acknowledge to him kind of in like a code that, like, yes, you helped me. I got what I needed out of this. You know, it's like kind of giving him a review or and demonstrating that I've made progress. And I did, so all of these things I'm starting to realize as we're having the conversation about how freaking difficult it is for me and how much I put on myself and bring into therapy just because it's therapy or what I think it should be in my mind. And then I realized that like, you know, I haven't, before going to therapy in this environment, like w- the the way that we would do it before is we would, I would go visit, I, I would have a counselor, which would normally be my church pastor. And I knew that that was not a judgment-free zone. Like I always knew that innately. Yeah, there was yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, a, a pastor was always comparing, at least in my mind, comparing my uh, experience like whatever I was confessing and again I never confessed to a a Catholic Crime. priest it wasn't like that I never went into the closet with the with the Catholic priest just the Protestant guy would be comparing you know, I was like well this is comparing my point of view and my actions to the morals of the Bible and then saying okay well this is what you, this is how you need to change this is what you need to repent of this is where you this is where you're in sin and this is where you need this is where you need to uh get right with god right it was a an implied place of judgment the exact opposite of what therapy supposed to be right and i d- yeah. and it's so difficult for me to believe that he's not constantly judging me cuz i'm like aren't you coming up with an assessment don't you have like like what do you th- you i've been talking to you for almost for a year and a half more like what 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 conclusions are you drawing about me? What do you know? Did you ask him that? Yeah. You know, he he said a number of things that were like made me feel they were edifying. But then he basically said that I deal with um I can't remember the term he used. Basically like, I have anxiety. You know, and it seems it's like well, it maybe it seems obvious, but and this was just a few weeks ago, and I I know and I harness all of my neur- neurosis for comedy. I I am acquainted with it enough to use it to my advantage, and and also kind of laugh at myself. But to hear the therapist just kind of say it in more of like a diagnosis kind of way, it sh- it shook me up a little bit because it was like. Um, Oh, I don't I don't just experience anxiety. I have anxiety. It felt different to me. Um
0: well, I, and I just uncovered a, a lot there, but it's but like there's a, there's a few things that come up for me as you as you talk about this. I mean, one is the conversation that you're having with me right now about your therapy. And you've done this a little bit, but it definitely feels like that's the conversation that you should be having with the therapist. Now, you, you, like you said, you you have kind of done that, right? Yeah. Because the nature of the way you're seeing it and the nature of the conversation that we're having about it is indicative of what your work is in the anxiety and control and those things, right? Yeah. I mean if you feel like when you asked him that question I mean again it's it's tough it's tough for me I I, I don't like I'm not here to evaluate the effectiveness of your th- particular therapist right There's a part of me that in the way that like Jesse had already told my therapist a bunch of things about me someone who's in relationship with you which is actually how I'm, uh, is something I want to talk about in terms of how I evaluate what I've actually experienced in therapy and what the benefit has been but also kind of understanding what it is that your issues are, are sometimes most eloquently articulated by the people in your life. Because I could have told you that your
1: issues. gone I've gone, to, I've gone is, to therapy with Christy and been able to provide my perspective that really kind of coalesced some things
0: um, for for Christy. It's like, I feel like if me and Christy could sit down with your therapist for one hour and just be like, "Let's just, can we just tell you some things about Link?" Because I don't know if it's coming across as he talks to you. I don't know if he's packaging it differently, or he doesn't. He doesn't have us. He doesn't have a because who? No one has a great self-assessment, right? I don't have a great self-assessment. So, so,
1: but, but you really. I mean, I think you are, and I, I'm totally cool with this. That like you are questioning whether after all this time, couldn't he have like the couldn't he have gotten
0: do I need a new therapist well well no i guess what i'm saying is is that okay as i think back on our life together first of all there was a lot like if you take if you take our life in sections really quickly and you take like growing up together i had absolutely no clue that you were dealing with so much so much anxiety i was not like that was not the right. anxiety wasn't my it de- wasn't something i was dealing with you were uh, like nervous and shaken up by all kinds of things and no, yeah. no one had any idea that it was happening. Your best friend had no idea it was happening. And then for most of our adult life, I kind of dismissed a lot of your anxious, first of all, it would be like, yes, he's got like, once we started working together, I was like, oh, he's got a lot of control issues. I see that. Um, and that is interesting in like creative collaboration, but it didn't feel like a mental problem or like emotional It's just like Link has control issues, it's something that he understands, I understand and we and we, wor- we work it out. But your anxiety was something that I did not have a an understanding of. I was just like, I know he's stressed out, quote, unquote, because he's as busy as I am, and I know what it feels like to be this busy, and I know what it feels like to have this much pressure and have this many projects and this many employees and all these issues that we're constantly dealing with. Like, it's stressful as hell. So, and and we do everything side by side. So I know that you're stressed out, but the, the anxiety that you bring to like every type of experience, not just the stressful things, is something that I didn't have a language for until I started going to therapy and we started like talking about all this stuff, right? And so I've I've come to understand like, oh, like Link is running really, really hot. Yeah. That baseline anxiety that you're talking about. And now, okay, I see it come out in some of the things that he says and does. This is like, oh, that's coming out because he's so anxious about this thing right now. And so to me, and I'm not saying, I mean, he's told you that you deal with anxiety. I'm not saying he's a bad therapist, but I'm just like, okay, we're two years in. And he's like saying that like, no man, like this is your, this is an issue that like is very consequential in your life. Do you know what I mean? And so I just want, I, I mean, I guess I'm just, what I want him to do I is- I have a hard I, time
1: judging my therapist because I'm just constantly judging
0: myself. <laughs> no, I understand that
1: and and we do talk about those things and we do and so it's like assignments like think back on memories from your child like from your childhood let's explore like your family life growing up like you okay your dad wasn't there then your then your then your stepdad wasn't there and this is how you interacted with your mom it's like we do talk about those things and it does and it has shed light on uh my impulse to control and uh, the the roots
0: of my anxiety right and the control being the thing that is you're trying to get hold of the anxiety with the control right I didn't even yes. i talked we talked about this the other day I didn't even realize until like six months ago that a lot of the things you told me in situations where you vo- you were just vocalizing something to yourself but you were telling me because i'm a I'm with you you know what I'm saying like uh-huh. and then I'm like oh he does that a lot like he's like now don't forget to make the most of this or what, it's, you, what you, you say something to yeah. me and I'm like <laughs> and for years I was always just like yeah you're right man it's like I don't I didn't really need to hear that but uh, uh you're right in what you just said all of a sudden it hit me I was like oh he's 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 self-soothing right now yeah. by saying this thing to me and so I guess what I'm saying is this: I just wanna, I, I just wanna sit down with your therapist and be like, I, because I, I, I want to hear him talk, and I want to know like, do you really understand this guy? Do you understand him? I mean, I do
1: think that my work is like understanding what I'm, what I'm so afraid of. Um, and I think that I don't, you know, it's. Do I need a new therapist? <laughs> I, listen, it's really hard. It's it. I mean, ha, I have. I mean, Christy's been through different therapists. It's very common. Uh, other people that I know have been. Most people that I've talked to that I know really closely about therapy have been to multiple therapists, and sometimes they've gone back just to know what they may have been missing. Well, so I actually feel to, like if you were to ask, I, and I feel like I would like to start over anyway. It's like something about the way that it. Again, we talk about it we talk about two weeks ago we have so much and so it's an opportunity to kind of change the trajectory to not be so crisis oriented we talked about that specifically and that's why we got into the you know reflect more on your past and we can unpack some of that and talk about this impulse to control like this is where we're where we've talked about going but i do wonder there is a part of me that's like i feel like I gotta have somebody to. I gotta have a different experience with a different person to compare it to.
0: Yeah, I. I mean, I can't advise you in that. I'm just. I'm just. I guess old. because I.
1: But I. I think the thing that I feel like I'm missing is like, I, I, I would. I just anticipated that I would be breaking down left and right in therapy. I mean, I, I just don't. I. You know, I've got a shit ton of issues, but it's not like. I don't think I have the issue you're talking about where I'm not gonna like weep about my own, you know, emotion, let that emotion out. You know, I actually, I actually think that I, 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 that's what I thought I was signing up for. I thought I was signing up for crying a lot. And, you know, it- and because I haven't, and I just feel like, I feel like that's a reason to look for, see if another therapist can get me to cry more because uh, I thought thought that was gonna be part of it. That's an outward sign for me
0: that I'm getting somewhere. And it may be, I mean, (laughs) as somebody who, just to put things into perspective, as somebody who's been going to therapy since 2017, specifically focusing on being able to feel things and process things, I still haven't cried. And my wife just laughs at me. I mean, not in jest, but just because she's like, "I cry every damn time." Um, but do you think that I would
1: listen? I'm not at least a, a few times. I, like, I, I want a breakthrough. I guess is what I'm I, saying. Her, here's
0: what I will say: I want to be really hesitant to like because I'm not a professional by any means. Well, I know that. It's just I'm. I know I'm how com- to filter in, your advice in comparing it to my experience where. The way that I would categorize, the way I would characterize what happened with me is very, very quickly we got to the root. And now when we got to the root, we saw that the root was really thick and really deep and splayed out in in many different areas. So it's not like just identifying the issue solves it because I I still have all the tendencies, but. It didn't take, two, it took two sessions to I, get I to the I'm root, mis- not two years to get to the root.
1: Yeah, and like, I feel like we're like, we're certainly digging in the in the right place. But, um, and there's reasons why maybe it's taking this long to get back to it. But I feel like, um, that I can't continue the root analogy <laughs> in talking about the point I'm trying to make. Ah, uh, what is the point I'm trying to make? Well, I,
0: Well, okay. Mrs. is, I'll talk a little bit about,
1: because I recently- Oh, I know what I was trying to say. We're looking in the right place, like saying this is, this is the root of the issue. And I, I'm envious of the way that like, now you kind of know, well, I'm envious. I feel like you've described an assignment. Like you bring to the therapy your life and then you make sure that you're processing it on a level that you haven't been able to ex- until therapy unlocked that for you, an emotional level. So the the protocol seems clear to me. Again, it's a plan. I feel like, and so is my exercise to find someone new who can give me that breakthrough and then filter filter every experience I have through the trauma that i've endured as uh, as a child that then is making me want to control everything to soothe it or do a, is my exercise that and also letting go of the control of needing a plan to get there and well, that's analyzing
0: what makes, that's what makes it really complicated for for you and, I, and <laughs> in in a different way again because i like to present myself as having it together and i do it unconsciously, hmm. again, I don't know what, it, now, I'm not gonna get into the way, the what I've explored specifically about, you know, my childhood that kinda potentially led me to sure. a place that this is the way that I cope with things. But because I present as someone who's got it together, as a default, sometimes it takes 30 minutes of talking in therapy to begin to break through the shell because I'm doing it without even knowing it. Just like, I think th- I, I think things are going pretty good, but they're not, like, they, and they may be externally, but like in here, no, there's something that you're not really, I gotta, I gotta bring that out. So yeah, there is this, I'm constantly, what I'm saying is that my issue does directly impact the way that I do therapy. So I'm not saying that like every time I I start a therapy session I'm like here we go I know what the work is let's do it no the work is directly related into the way that I approach therapy in a very similar way just a different issue but I feel like my therapist is so attuned to that being the problem that he will just be like okay let's stop a second now do you see what you did there? You've been talking about this for this much time and you see how quickly you moved to this thing? But what about this thing? And so, because he's like, I'm dealing with a guy, if this, if it was like he was a coach and it was just like, the thing this guy can't do is he can't go to his left. Right. Then he see, would there's,
1: be- a, there's a level of authority there. I'm, I'm, I'm envious of that too, because I feel like- You don't feel like
0: he's assertive enough.
1: Yeah, like, he's like, stop, when you said that, could that mean this? It's like, I I just don't, I feel like it's all up to me. It's like, he's gonna answer, he's gonna ask a question and he's gonna, you know, what else am I gonna say? Now, what am I gonna say to the
0: wall? The fact that you've now referred to him as a wall multiple times (laughs) makes me think. Listen, I don't want to, again, everybody's experience is different, but because there's a question in your mind. But I think it's it's a style thing, I don't think it's a, criticism
1: of him as much as like, am I discovering what I need? And it's, it's just, a, it's a relationship. So it's a style, right? He's a, the therapist is a person. So if I, I just, I'm really feeling like I want to try somebody else just because I,
0: it's just a fit, it's a style. It's a- You want to go to my therapist too? <laughs> 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 no, that would be unethical. We can't like, at some point the circle has to stop expanding. I mean, could, could there be a handoff? <laughs> Like <laughs> maybe you take the weeks that I'm not there. No, again, I, I, this is two very, very non-professional guys talking about therapy. But I think the the only thing that I, I I want to affirm is that I don't think it's wrong to think. Should I just? Could I try something else out? I, I know it's not wrong, and I know that they do it all the time.
1: Yeah, and but it's like it. I get hung up on it, and I'm definitely thinking that I'm not going to tell him. I'm just gonna get a second therapist at the same time.
0: Wow. I don't know how I feel about that. It's fucked
1: up. I should be able to tell him. He's my damn therapist.
0: Yeah, I think- But say,
1: hey, I'm breaking up with you for a little time until I change my mind and realize that the grass wasn't greener and then I'll come back to you. He knows all of that. It happens all the time, right? I could just be like, because the- I think you have to talk to him about this. The temptation is, <laughs> I'll just go to every other week, and there then I can be, I can hedge with somebody else. I and, think the whole point if, is I got to build the other person back up while I taper the other guy off. Well, I feel like I don't want to be I don't want to be left in alert. This
0: is the thing. This is the thing that was kind of getting at earlier is that I feel like there's the real narrative that's happening in here, and then there's the curated narrative that you bring to your therapist. And I think that and I do the same thing. Well, but the but the, I didn't know
1: you were saying that.
0: But what? But what? I'm because no, because I'm performative in a different way, right? I,
1: I'm definitely performative.
0: I, okay, but you're. But, but it, you're, my performative you're, you're, is that I'm getting. I'm you're trying to it. control it and, make, and get the most out of it and make it the best possible session. I'm just trying to appear like I got it together. Yeah. Even if I don't. But they're both performative in a certain way. So the thing that he breaks me out of is the curated narrative, and either you got to break yourself out of the curated well, narrative even, or, you, or
1: if I don't have a curated narrative, whatever it is, I just want to have more of a, I think his style is more like raise a question and then it's self discovery, but it's not, it's not a conversation. We're not batting ideas back and forth. Well, and you know, and I'd, this I'd is a way I want a little th- more of that.
0: This is a way that we we tell people who work for us and work with us this all the time. Because if there's anything that we are, we have in very much in common in the way we work with people, is we invite collaboration really intensely. And we tell people when we're gonna when we get ready to work on a project, we say, "Listen, you can't offend us, and we don't hold any ideas sacred. If you don't like something, you should tell us." because that's how we work. And listen, if you step back and you make it a light touch thing and you don't ever voice your opinion, we will bowl over you because we have so much intense creative energy. Now, I I actually think we kind of function relationships in this way. And so I think what you're asking, it's like- When I have something to bring to therapy- You want him him to- I bowl over, I talk to the wall. Yeah, you want him to reach out and grab you by the collar. Yeah. So to speak. And, I, and again, I feel like my therapist does that in a, the most respectful, friendly way possible, but he just kind of is ready to, when he smells bullshit, he says, I smell bullshit. You know what I mean? I don't know
1: what he needs to smell. Maybe, maybe there's a different scent from me, <laughs> a different stink than bullshit, but yeah, it's not, whatever that is, I would like to be-
0: uh, so, I like- I, so I think you got to talk to him and I think you got to say that I'm just, you know, I. You know, this is the, this is how I feel, and m- what I want to do is maybe meet with someone else, just because I just don't have anything. You know, I, I don't have any sort of connection to compare this to. And then I'll see what then he says. I'm starting
1: over, you know, it's like that's why I haven't done it. And that's when when things go when things go better. Um, and I have that like I don't have anything to talk about. I'm like, I'll just I'll stretch it out. I'll just meet every other week. We'll try that out. Maybe I don't need therapy. I, I start to tell myself that well, okay. stuff. Okay. So and then I know th- this, I know what, this is what
0: I, this is what I wanted to talk about because I start to think the same thing. Okay. Um and I actually asked Jesse when we were getting ready for this episode, I was like, I feel like I understand what my problem is and I understand what I'm kind of what I'm doing to work on it, but it's really difficult for me to talk, uh, to articulate the progress mm-hmm. and what's actually changed. And she was like, well, do you want me to tell you? <laughs> right? And so I actually wrote down some of the stuff that she said, because I asked her to repeat it. Okay. Um, first of all, she kind of laughed again. She And it's like, would well, you want me to tell you what, you what I've seen? She's like, you're much more in touch with your emotions, which is translated into the way that we communicate, me and her communicate. Spent, you know, been married for 20 years. Spent many of those years. If we were arguing about something, my main goal was to get a point across, to debate, to be like, this is why I think that I'm right about this. And these are my supporting, this is the supporting evidence versus worrying about connecting. Do you you know what I'm saying? Or just saying, this is how I feel. Like I've literally changed the way that we argue about things by saying, well, this is what, this is what I'm feeling right now. And it isn't, I feel that you're a jerk about this. This is like, no, this is the emotional response that I'm having right now. And she's already there because she's been doing, and that's completely changed the way, that's changed conflict resolution. I didn't even know that until she pointed it out. She's like, um, you don't get mad as much. <laughs> I mean, again, that's something that I didn't really have, a. you really don't have a a, a way to, to perceive yourself in that way. Um, She said, we are closer than we've ever been. And I was like, well, you know what? I recently told somebody that I thought that too. Oh, is that something to do with emotion therapy? Yes, okay. (laughs) Uh, And then she says, and think about the way that we, the differences in the way that we deal with our kids since before therapy. You know, one of the things that our therapist has really harped on is this maintaining the relationship with our kids as they age. and. As you as they get older and get more independent, you know, like being a senior year in high school, resisting the urge to datify every situation and to moralize and to correct and to teach and to use every conversation as an opportunity to give my wise perspective, versus using every conversation as an opportunity to connect emotionally. And again, that's just not something that I'll. Ha- I love my kids. I love being with my kids. I love doing things and having fun with my kids. But usually if they start talking about something, my default is to be like, robot, analyze situation, give solution. Like, it's just my personality. You bring me a problem, I'll come up with a solution real fast. Versus bring me a problem and I, let me let me get into, let me get behind that problem with you. Let's not solve it. Let's just agree that it's a problem and connect emotionally. These are things that have happened, but I needed my wife to point them out. So I guess my question for you is, I I think before you make any of this decision, you got to talk to Christy about it. Be- oh sure, because, well we're already talking about yeah, it. Yeah, but like if if she were to be like, oh no, like I, just yeah, I've I, seen I, this change I, in you in, in this in these in these ways, or just be like, no, I think you need a new therapist. Like she's gonna know yeah. way better than me.
1: Well we we had a fight last night, so <laughs> okay, but we're having a we're having a date tonight. Okay, and we, it's good so to get the fight out of the way. Well the fight was the conflict was re- resolved, but I did not i kind of showed my ass, so I didn't really demonstrate a lot of progress in any area so uh I don't know how she if tonight is a good night to ask because mm. uh, she might be like, uh, there's uh work to be done <laughs> i mean yeah th- 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 that that is the sense I get, you know it's like the and In an effort to wrap this up, I think just the benefit of kind of looking back. The other thing was that I looked back at my notes and they ended a year ago. I stopped jotting down. I think I wanna start that back up because uh, I'm sure Christy can give me perspective on uh, all of this and I'll put that question to her in terms of like how I've changed or grown, if at all. I know, I, I, I believe I have. Um, I've definitely survived a lot of things I couldn't, and that is saying a lot. And it's yeah, not something you, to diminish.
0: You, you, you've had you, you've had acute situations that yeah. took a lot of energy and time. But
1: um, I do think I want to I want to keep writing things down, and I and I am going to seriously consider getting a new therapist. And I think that came from within me. That's not something that you were. Is your that wasn't your idea?
0: Is your therapist listening to this podcast?
1: <sighs> Why would he?
0: I don't think my that ther- seem right. My therapist doesn't listen to it because every time he refers to it, he calls it earbuds. <laughs> so, I'm yeah, right. yeah, I, yeah. Just yeah. keep it that way. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't think I don't think he would. And I do not correct him because it's my way to know if he's actually listening. <laughs> um, boy, this this is the this is therapy's tough. What have we learned? Is this a is ringing endorsement? For, no, to to me, you know, and it's funny because we we. I've had two conversations in the past month with two close friends. One who just started therapy and feels the need to change therapist, and one who just started therapist and wanted to check in with me after a few sessions and just ask the question like, it's hard to evaluate, and he he was thinking about it from a financial perspective, Mm -hmm. which is a note we wanna make. I mean, being able to pay for your own mental health uh, is a privilege that we have. It's a luxury, sadly. Um, sadly, that's, but, the, that's the case. But we were talking ahead, of, you know, before the show with Kiko and Jenna, and they were both kind of reminding us about, like, you know, there are mental health um, resources and groups, and there there are actually there's free resources for, depending on your your background and things that you deal with and the community you live in. Yeah, how big it is. There are my- ways to get at some of the stuff. Uh, there's
1: affinity groups like yeah. LGBTQ. I mean, if that's, you know, or um,
0: uh, there's uh,
1: support groups.
0: Yeah, and sometimes that can happen in a group setting and and doesn't necessarily have to be one-on-one, but if you can afford it, um, you know, try to make it happen. But he, but he was asking that question, because he was like, you know, I'm spending a fair amount of money on this and just like, what, you know, and I find myself, like he was, he's a lot, He's not like you, but it was funny because he did something that you would have done, which is he printed out like a summary of himself with background information, like a resume that you give to a therapist and send it to the therapist before the appointment Yeah, to kind of get it out of the way so they didn't have to spend a bunch of time talking. I love that idea. And he was like, the therapist was like, no one has ever done this. I don't know how to feel about it, but thank you. Um, Really? Hmm. So, But I told him the same thing. I was like, listen, man, like I had to ask Jesse because I can't immediately articulate, you forget what's actually happening. Therapy rolls around and I'm just like, "Ah, oh, man, I just want to watch TV. I don't find myself longing for my next therapy appointment. If I have to miss it and I end up going a full month, I don't feel the need. Do you get secretly happy? No, I don't get secretly happy, but I don't have this felt need of like all this stuff building up that's about to explode the moment that the Zoom call starts but well, then what I find is that when the Zoom call does start and I just start letting it flow. It's there, that's
1: it's, that's your MO. It's there,
0: right. Yeah. So um it's so, not so a- So you're it, recommending therapy. I'm, reco- I'm recommending therapy, but it's, but it's not, yeah, it's not gonna be like some easy thing. My actual recommendation to wrap things up is um, a book that I've been reading called Why We Sleep by I think his name is Michael Walker. Let me just make sure that's his name. Matthew Walker. Um. This is like a New York Times bestseller a few years ago and it's basically just all about sleep and the importance of sleep. Now I will say that as I've dug into it a little bit that there are some people, some researchers out there who question some of the conclusions he comes to. Okay. Uh, but, But so much of the book is him just saying this was a study a peer-reviewed study that was done with these people and this is what it, you know, he explores all these different aspects of sleep and you will learn a lot of really good information. Uh, but I've just been absolutely blown away at how, just to rem- reminded at how important getting a good night's sleep is. Like if you don't wanna read the book, then just get a Go good sleep. night's sleep. Get, get <laughs> okay. seven, seven to nine hours of sleep every single night. Okay. This would be my recommendation. Hey, I like that. Um, but Um if you're interested in that kind of information. If I could
1: sleep with my therapist, this maybe all my problems would be solved. Yeah, right, and I don't mean like that.
0: Yep, well, I understand. But it's just, it's a good book in general with a lot of f- absolutely fascinating information that you would like hear on like a podcast or like NPR, all put together into a really fascinating book. All right.
1: Well, hashtag Ear Biscuits, let us know uh, what you think about this. You don't have to give me advice. I've got uh, I got enough people in my life to to help me with that, but i uh, any other way that you're um, dealing with this? Or if you wanna give red advice, use hashtag your sure. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Talk at you next week.